Man, every time that comes on, I feel like I need to walk out with a little bit of attitude, you know. <laughs> Good to see you guys today. My name is Dan Chanowski. I'm the campus pastor for our Nacogdoches location. Coming to you this year. So excited about that. Hey, if you are interested at all in being a part of our launch team, we've got a great team, guys. I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, we're going to be launching this fall. If you're interested at all about being a part of that, you just want to kick the tires on and say, what, what does that even look like? How can, I, how can I serve? How can I be engaged in that process? Uh, go online today, timbercreekchurch.com forward slash timber, uh, Nacogdoches, and uh, that will take you right to our, our website. You can fill out a, uh, a little registration there. We want to make sure that we're going to be providing lunch for you next Sunday following the second service. It's going to be awesome. So go ahead and do that. Guys, I want to real quick thank uh, Pastor Jeremy, our lead pastor. Isn't he amazing? He does such a great job bringing the word every week. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy, for the opportunity to, to speak today. Um, this is part three in our Gold from Gagatha series. If you haven't seen the first two, go online and watch them. Um, it's just absolutely fantastic. We're talking about, like, in, in, in the most uh, impactful time, like, like history turned at this point, 2,000 years ago, when, when Jesus was nailed to a cross on that hill in Golgotha. And there are seven statements that Jesus makes from the cross, and they're not by accident. They are purpose-filled. And I believe, as we're looking at the third statement today, that God's got something great to say to us. Let's take your worship, God. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But real quick, I just want to—I <clears throat> want to bleed on you a little bit. Is that okay? Like, like I, I just want to tell you a story. A few weeks ago, I had a traumatic experience, uh, really life-altering. Um, had to go to the dentist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I'm talking about. Raise your raise your hand if you just love going to the dentist. Like you just cannot. Sh- liars. You bunch of liars. <laughs> You're in church, man. Nobody likes going to the dentist. It doesn't matter what kind of mural they put up on the wall of all the rainbows and butterflies. Ain't, there's not a good thing about the dentist. Come on, somebody. Like I, don't, like, I don't want to be there. Like, you don't have to entertain me. Like, I know what I'm there for. I know what you're there for. Let's get the business done and let's, get, move, let's move on with life. So I got a feeling. <laughs> I, got a, I got a feeling. I had a feeling that I had to get done. And so my wife and I would go to the dentist, and we walk in, and we sit in the waiting room. Listen, I asked my wife, I avoid this stuff like the plague. I just, like, I just put it off as long as I can. Anybody else? Like, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. I don't want to. And she said, you're going. We're both going. We're going to get some work done on our teeth. It's going to be fine. So I just prepare myself, like, three days in advance, and I just build up so much anxiety <laughs> I'm going to the dentist. I'm going to the dentist. So we get there that morning, and you walk in, and you sit down in the ice box of a lobby that they have. They just make, make sure that it's freezing cold, which doesn't help. And you're there for like an hour. Like they want you to anticipate the pain that's coming, right? Like I just want you to sit there and think about it for a little bit. Like I want to go into the dentist, and I want to, like two minutes later, I want them to call me back. Let's go. Right? I don't, I don't need time to think about this. I'm going to talk myself off the ledge. Like, so I go in. We sit, like, for an hour. And then finally this lady walks in. And she's super kind. Mr. Chanowski, um, we got the torture chair ready for you. <laughs> Come on back. And so I go back and sit in the chair. And she has the gall to ask me, 
Mr. Chanowski, would you like to watch television? Yeah, I've got a, a Netflix series I need to catch up on. So glad that you asked. If you have a latte, that would be great. Like, no, I don't want to watch television. I want to get this thing in my tooth fixed so I can go home. <laughs> like, I just want to go home. And so, like, 30 minutes later, the dentist comes in, and he's got this six-inch needle, and he's like, hey, Mr. Chanowski, hold on. This is just going to pinch a little bit. <laughs> you don't know that's a lie? That's going to pinch a lie. That's going to hurt. So he, he hits a couple of spots back there and leaves the room and comes back a little bit later. Now my face is entire my entire face is numb. Like I can't feel anything from about here up. And then he then he wants to ask me questions. Like I think he's I think he thinks it's, it's funny. Like it's funny. So he goes in and he does a feeling and I and we go home. And we get home and I am I am miserable. Listen, I am a terrible patient. Wives, do you have husbands that are terrible patients? Like, man, Cole, <laughs> like, I'm terrible. Like, I'm having a, a, a horrible time here. Like, my face hurts, and I can't talk, and I'm hungry because I haven't eaten all morning. But, I, like, I want to eat something, but I know that I'm just going to bite my lip or the side of my mouth, and it's going to be terrible. Are you with me? Can I just, I just want to tell you the story. It makes me feel better. <laughs> and, and my sweet wife is there, and she gives me some pain medicine, and she gets a little hot pack, and she makes me some soup and sings me a song, you know. <laughs> Help me feel, feel better. She was very, very helpful in my time of suffering. And I just want to thank you, honey, for loving me and taking care of me in my time. Come on, give her a round of applause. She has a lot to put up with. But you know what I forget sometimes is that in my suffering, like other people are suffering too. Like she was there at the dentist too. And, and I got one feeling and she got like three. <laughs> so, so like in all of my complaining, I forget like she's suffering too. But she doesn't suffer like I suffer. Like she is as hard as rocks, man. She's awesome. Um, listen, there are some lessons that we can learn in suffering. The title of this message today, I've titled it Schooled in Suffering. Schooled in Suffering. Listen, these seven statements that... That Jesus makes from the cross, like this is this is heavy, this is heavy stuff. And there, in the midst of like the 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 worst day of his life, Jesus, the greatest teacher of all time, using every occasion, every location, every opportunity to teach his disciples about living the way that God has designed us to live. And even while he was suffering, guys, he was still. He was still teaching. There's no wasted moments in his life. And on the worst day of his life, he's schooling us. He's schooling us. Plenty of opportunities throughout the life of Jesus. Uh, the disciples learned a lot from him. Like, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray like you pray. Like, tell us, tell us how you talk to God. Like, we want to talk to God that way, right? Hey, Jesus, turn Turn that H2O to Merlot again. That was, like, super cool. Like, could you do that again? You know, listen, I'm human. I'm just thinking through the scriptures. I'm just wondering how many times after that first miracle the disciples were like, hey, there's another barrel of water, Jesus. I'm just saying <laughs> we could turn, turn this party up a little bit, you know. Um, you know, there was multiple times. There, Jesus, hey, can you, like, multiply the filet fish again? That was super cool when you did that. Could you do that again? Or Jesus, could you like defy all laws of physics and like everything and like walk on water again? Would you do that? That was, that was amazing. But what I don't hear the disciples saying is, hey, Jesus, 
teach us, teach us about suffering. Hey, Jesus, like teach, us, teach us how to go through the tough stuff in life. Because I don't, I don't quite know how to do that well. And I find myself asking the same question, do you? Like, Jesus, teach me, teach me how to deal with the hard things in life. Because you know what? It, it rains on the just and the unjust. And, and stuff just, man, stuff just happens. I've been a pastor for a number of years, going on 20 years. And there are, there are moments where people are going through suffering. And I don't have the answers for that. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know why you're going through that. And there are times in my own life that I think, Jesus, teach me, teach me about suffering. Nearly 50 times in the New Testament, we read about suffering. Like, it's significant. Here, here are some of the verses of, of Scripture. Mark chapter 10, verse 39. You might want to write it down there at the bottom of your notes and go back to it. Mark 10, 39. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. Romans 8, 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. Awesome. <laughs> that sounds cool. In fact, together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. And if it, if it could end right there, like, yes, absolutely. But Paul goes on to say, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Like, he's sharing it. Paul, like, had this incredible understanding. Like, I want to I want to know Christ. And I even want to, I want to know not, all, not only in all the good stuff, but like I want to suffer like Jesus suffered because if that puts me closer to who he is, then bring it. Like all the stuff that was to my profit, all the things that, that like all my trophies in life, like I count all that stuff just rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Like I, I, I see Paul like inviting suffering in his life. Romans 8, 23, and we believe also... And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Look at your neighbor and say, this world is full of suffering. It just is. Last year we got to go on a missions trip as, as a church. We, when you go all in and you're giving and you're a part of that, I just want you to know, like, you you get to help feed, like, kids, uh, in orphanages in Haiti, like they get, they get food every day. Isn't that amazing? And you get to be a part of that when you're giving. And, and last year we went on a missions trip and we got to go be a part of that and help to, to um, build this orphanage and all this kind of stuff. It was, it was absolutely incredible. But that's a whole other kind of suffering. Like I just, that's different than, than we know. But we long for that time where, where sin and suffering is going to be gone 2 Corinthians 4.10, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Like there's part of your life where you go through suffering and, and God says, you know, actually when you go through that suffering, you're actually like Jesus. Like people see, have you ever known somebody that they go through an entire, like a, a tough part in life and they just do it so well, almost miraculously, and you're like, how do you... Like, how do you go through that? How are you making it through that and keeping your head up? Like, there's something about going through that suffering that we share in the death of Jesus and the life of Jesus is seen in us. Philippians 1.29, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. 1 Peter 2.21 
This scripture, we'll get back to it here in just a little bit, but this is the kind of life you've been invited into. Into the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know that it could be done. That this life for Christ can be done and also know how to do it step by step. How do I live a life as a child of God? And how do I live that life that he's designed for me, which includes suffering? Listen, I've taken a lot of uh, credit hours in undergrad and in master's study and all that kind of stuff, paid a lot of money for, for degrees, and I never once had a class that was titled Suffering 101. <laughs> it's just not something that we invite ourselves into, but I believe that Jesus is teaching us some things about suffering today. Let's look at our text, John chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. It says, while the soldiers were looking after themselves, they've crucified Jesus He's hanging on the cross. His first statement, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can I just tell you, that, that meant everybody. He's like, forgive all y'all. <laughs> forgive them all. Forgive everybody, for they don't know what they're doing. Just the grace and the mercy of God. And then we see the second statement of Jesus, where he's, he's nailed on a cross in between two thieves. And he says, today, yes, I tell you, assuredly, you're going to be with me in paradise. And we find this third statement here. While the soldiers were looking after themselves, Jesus' mother, his aunt, uh, the Mary wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross. Jesus saw his mother and the disciples he loved standing near her. Jesus is looking down from the cross, and he sees those closest to him. Listen, standing next to the cross was a dangerous place to be. You are now associating yourself with those who have been crucified. But Jesus, his mother, and, and, and those surrounded, they were close to him. And he looked down and he saw them. And he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Now, just as a side note, like I don't, I don't advise you saying to your mama, hey, woman. Like, but Jesus can get away with that because he's Jesus, right? So woman, here is your son. And then to the disciple, here is your mom. From that moment, the disciple accepted her as his own mother. Can I just pray over the scripture this morning? Father, thank you for the opportunity to talk about you today. Jesus, I thank you that I'm not just inviting you into this place, but you're inviting us, each and every one of us, to step into a conversation with you and your word. Your word is living and it's active. It has something to say to us today. And I pray your Holy Spirit would teach us Teach us something about suffering today. Help us, God, to take the text that's thousands of years old from a different time and a different culture. God, bring it to a place of relevancy in our own lives as, as you saw each and every one of us on that cross and you knew that we were going to have to go through suffering. God, you teach us about that. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. In this life, we will experience suffering Period. It just, it's just part of life, especially for a Christ follower. Like sometimes I, I think that we, we as Christ followers, we want to live the blessed life, not the stressed life, right? Like your blessed life now. <laughs> like you want to live that blessed life. And I don't want to go through any kind of trials and stuff in life. But that's just not, that's not even biblical. Like when we read through the scriptures, we realize that tough stuff happens, especially for those 
who decide that they're going to live a life of sacrifice and say, Jesus, you're going to be my Lord and my Savior, and I'm going to live counter-cultural. There's, there's suffering that's going to happen. But even beyond that, life is just tough, right? Like we're just going to go through some tough stuff. But I think it's possible that maybe we've made a mistake in our thinking. I might be thinking, if I'm suffering, I must be out of God's will. I must have done something wrong. Like I'm going through a period of suffering and I just got off track. Now, maybe you did. And we've got to be honest with ourselves. If I've walked out of, out of God's will, if I'm living a life of sin, like that's going to happen. But like if, if suffering is just happening, right? Like I may make the mistake of saying and believing I'm out of God's will. Or I'm living a blessed life and like everything's just, everything I touch just turns to gold. And, and I think in that moment I must be exactly right in the middle of God's will. And I, and I just want to say to you, maybe, maybe our thinking is a little, is a little off, it's possible that if you're going through a season of suffering, you might be exactly where God wants you to be. How many of you guys know that's a, that's a horse pill to swallow? Like, that's tough. So how do we go through suffering the way Jesus did, step by step? I'd like to make some suggestions this morning. Just my own personal observations, reading through this scripture of some things that I think maybe Jesus is teaching us through suffering. So go ahead and take your worship guide. Then we're going to fill in some blanks. Number one, in suffering, Jesus teaches us how to honor in all directions. Like at the, the pinnacle of his suffering, like in the moment, like the last few minutes of, of the life of his, his earthly life, like Jesus could have been pointing fingers. He could have been accusing those who accused him. Like he had every right to say, this is not my fault. You accused me wrongly. Like, like I shouldn't be here. And in that moment of suffering, we find this incredible picture of a son honoring his mom. Jesus turned his attention to the hands that once held him as a child. And Jesus turns his attention to the ones closest to him. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Do you know where my attention tends to be when I'm suffering? Do you know where my attention tends to be? When I'm going through a hard time in life, like it's on me. <laughs> like why me, right? Like woe is me. Like why does this always happen to me? Like I didn't do anything wrong. Like it's not my fault. Are you, are you with me this morning? Like that's where my attention tends to be in my suffering. Like, and then I turn, I turn my attention towards other people. It's your fault that I'm here. It's, it's not my fault. It's your fault. If you wouldn't have done, if, if that hadn't had happened, if you'd made a better choice, if what, you know, and, and, the, and the list goes on and on and on. And I actually become dishonoring in my time of suffering rather than, rather than honoring. Our natural response when we're hurting is to respond in kind. And we said it last week, like hurt people hurt people. And in a room this size, there's, there's bound to be somebody here this morning that somebody in your life is going through a period of suffering and they're hurt. And man, they've turned their hurt on you. Because hurt people hurt people. Write this down. Suffering often causes us to be self-centered rather than Christ-centered. Am I right? Like suffering often causes us to be self-centered rather than Christ-centered. To honor others in the middle of our suffering is to be Christ-centered. 
And Jesus is schooling us in suffering. He goes like straight Old Testament on us here. All the way back to Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land your God is giving you. It's the fifth commandment out of ten, right? Like the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. If you go back and look at those ten commandments, like the first four, this is how you interact with God. This is how you honor God. And the last six have to do with our relationship with one another. Jesus said it this way in the New Testament, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Like love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus was going Old Testament when he was honoring his mother. How would it look if Jesus was so focused on his mission that he failed to do the basic thing of just loving his Mom, I'm just, I'm just curious. As I'm reading through the scripture, I'm just thinking, like, I'm convinced that honoring his mom in these last moments was making sure that every T was crossed and every I was dotted. Like, he, he didn't come to abolish the law and totally get rid of it. He, like, came to fulfill it. And even to the last moment of his life on the cross, he's, like, he's fulfilling the law. And even down to the point of taking care of his mom. You guys, our, our, our Savior... Our Jesus is remarkably human, and he's incredibly divine. Remarkably human and incredibly divine. Years later, the apostle Paul would have, have this to say about the fifth commandment. He says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. And every parent in the room said, that's right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. I, I got to think that Paul's like, like his kids are around, right? He's like, hey, honor your father and mother, and by the way, it goes well for you if you do that. Like, I'm not going to kill you. Like, like honor, honor your mom and dad, and I won't beat you, right? Like, there's something about this honoring parents, and he's, he's saying, like, it'll go well for you. There's, it's the first commandment that comes with a promise, but here's the irony behind the verse. Like the promise is a long life and it's going to go well for you here on earth. And the irony is that Jesus is fulfilling this commandment like on his deathbed. Like if we can just be real for a second, it's not going well for him. Like his life on earth is coming to an end. So I have to think that this commandment also the promise is not just for this life on earth, but it's for the life to come. Because listen, if, we'll honor, if we're honoring our parents, then, then we're showing that we honor God as well, right? And God is the one that holds life and eternity in his hand. When we honor, we show that our hearts are close to the heart of God. Listen to Matthew chapter 15. It says, Jesus replied, and why do you, speaking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, by your traditions violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully to, the father, to your father or mother must be put to death. But you say, to, you say it, uh, it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I vowed to give to God what I have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your traditions. You hypocrites. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is farce, for they teach man-made ideas or commands from God. So we honor God and we show through honor that our hearts are close to him. Does anybody else have, a tr have, have trouble honoring? Like anybody else have a hard time 
with honor. It's difficult, especially when you grow up with parents that, like, you just, maybe you don't feel like deserve honor. Just be real with you for just, just a moment. Like, my parents divorced when I was uh, 11 years old. And my dad was an alcoholic for years and years and years. And there came a point in his life where he, he was driving uh, drunk and flipped his car. And by the grace of God, it didn't kill him. But, like, after that, after that event in his life, he got sober and he joined an AA program. And I thank God for that. Uh, but he got sober. But, but our relationship was still strained. Like, I, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad and throughout the years, like, I just wish that I had that father-son relationship. It just didn't happen, right? And in the, in, the, in the final years of my dad's life, like, on January 26th, we celebrate, like, a year. Like, he passed away a year ago. And my dad had two incredible bouts with cancer. He got leukemia a few years ago and totally beat the socks off of leukemia. And then following that, shortly after that, he got pancreatic cancer and he fought that for over a year, which is absolutely incredible. And just to honor him, like his whole statement was like, attitude is everything. And he had an incredible attitude through all of it. And God granted me like this incredible thing, like through that season of his life, I, I got to have two awesome conversations with him. And the first conversation happened right after he had a chemo session at the cancer center in Wichita. And we're talking and just in tears, we're sitting in his car and he says, son, I... I just want to say I'm sorry. I, I wasn't the, the dad that you needed growing up. I was absent. And I'm sorry for that. And I was able in that moment to say, Dad, I forgive you. Like, I don't, I'm not going to hold that against you. And I, I forgive you for that. And I just want to release that from you. You don't have to walk around in shame or guilt any longer. Like, you're free from that. Right? And so I forgave him. And, 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 and a few, few uh, weeks later, we had another conversation we're sitting in the car, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to honor your father. And I said, God, I don't know how to do that. Like, how do I do that? Like, how do I honor my dad? Like, he wasn't the dad that I, that I wanted him to be. And, and he said, you don't, don't honor him for what he's done in your life. Honor, honor him for who he is. And so I took a moment, and I was able to say, Dad, I just want you to know I honor you. I honor you as my father. I've forgiven you for what's happened in the past. Listen, I haven't been a perfect son either, so, like, like, I'm sorry too. But I was able to honor him. And two of those most incredible things happened in that moment, forgiveness and honor. And, and awesome healing happened. I'm so thankful I got an opportunity to do that before Dad passed away. And you may be struggling with that honor piece. And I just want to tell you, like, it begins with forgiveness. It really does. You come to a place of forgiveness. And I offer forgiveness uh, we've said it before, like, you, like forgiveness has to not only be received, but it has to be offered, right? Like offer forgiveness and receive forgiveness. So Jesus teaches us to honor. Wow, okay, so there's another lesson that Jesus teaches us in his suffering. Number two, suffering teaches us to remain humble. Suffering has a way of humbling us, doesn't it? Suffering really does have a way of humbling us. I want to look at Mary just for a second, the mother of Jesus. Approximately 33 years earlier, the gospel writer says this. 
Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King Davis, David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Like, that's awesome, right? Like, Mary's got to be feeling good. I'm favored of God. I'm scared a little bit, but I'm favored. He goes on to say, for you have found favor with God. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to be very great. He's going to be called the son of the most high God. He's going to be enthroned on the, on, on the ancestor of David's throne. Like, all these awesome things. And his kingdom will never end. And Mary's got to be feeling stoked. Like, yeah, absolutely. In fact, she says, hey, may everything that you've said about me come true. Right? And then the angel left her. But I, but I have to think just for a moment, like Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? <laughs> Is he serious right now? Did your baby know did you know that your baby boy has come to make us new, that this child you delivered, Mary is soon going to deliver you? Did you, did you know? Y'all, let me answer that question for you. She didn't know. She had no clue. Like, no, she didn't know. Mary, you did not know. Like, nobody knows the type of suffering. She had no idea. Because who signs up for that kind of suffering in life, right? Like, I don't want to sign up for that. Yet Mary says, let everything you have said about me come true. Not, not just a few chapters later we read this, and they've, they've come to the, the house or the, to, the, uh, to the priest, and they're going to dedicate him, right, and this is part of their tradition, and Simeon is there, and Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him, like Jesus is, is, is amazing. Uh, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. <laughs> Can we go back to the favored part? Like, I like that better, right? I like the blessed part better. But in all reality, suffering is coming, and Mary, suffering is going to happen. Fast forward 33 years later, and she's standing at the foot of the cross where her baby, her son, the one that she picked up, the one that as he's riding his tricycle like falls off and scrapes his knee, right? Like the one that she dried his tears and tucked him into bed and all those things, and now he's crucified. And there's something humbling about suffering. We also see the eternal love of a mother Standing there, Mary, at the foot of the cross, write it down, to be used magnificently, you will suffer significantly. If we want to be used by God, if you want to be used by God, if you truly, God, use me, here I am, God, send me. Like, we just have to know that if God's going to use us greatly, we're going to suffer significantly. It's just part of it, right? It's just part of, part of the Christ-centered life. I have, no I have no doubt that Mary's suffering brought her to her knees, literally, and suffering has a way of humbling us. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, in the same way you, are young, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Pastor Jeremy said it this, said it this way last week, humility is the earmark of being a Christ follower. 
And suffering, unfortunately, is just part of that. Like we're gonna go through suffering. Number three, this world is not our home. His suffering, through his suffering, Jesus teaches us about honor, about humility, and he reminds us that this world is not our home. Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Israel and travel the land. It was absolutely incredible. If you ever get an opportunity, you should go. Like, one of the places we stopped was in Capernaum. Capernaum is the home of Peter, and we stopped by this house that is presumed to be St. Peter's house. And they built a church over it in a lot of those locations in Israel. Like, if they're known to be a special place, they, like, build a church over it, right? And so we're standing at this church, and this tour guide is telling us all about it. And he takes us over to this spot over to the side. It's this roped-off spot. And we look over this rope, and there's these stacked stones everywhere. And it looks like the foundation of a home. But a really big home, like all these little squares connected. And, um, and it, like, a, like a mansion maybe, like this, this big place. And, and one of the things that the tour guide told us is like, this is what happens uh, when, when families like grow. And, and, the, and the father and the mother, they've got their son. And he goes off and he gets married. Instead of saying like we do today, hey, like there's no room here. Any, there's no more room at the end, right? Like kick them out, go find your own place, right? Don't come back to my basement. We don't want that. Like, their, their whole thing was they build on another room to the house. Like, as the family grows, the father is able to say to the son and the new daughter-in-law, say, like, I built a place for you. Come, come into our house. And while he's tell, telling us this story, he reads this scripture from John 14. I love it. Don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There's plenty of room for you in my father's home. If it weren't so, I would have told you that I'm on my, but I'm on my way to get a room ready for you. And if I'm on my way to get a room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live and you already know the road I'm taking. Like Jesus is preparing a place for us. Suffering reminds us that, listen, this world is not our home. Like suffering reminds us, don't get comfortable here, right? Like don't get comfortable in this life. God's gone on to prepare a place for us. Jesus made sure Mary had an earthly home, but suffering reminds us to stay focused on our heavenly home. We talked about those words that Jesus said, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. And we learn that heaven is certain. We learn that heaven is near. And we learn that heaven is just simply being with Jesus. God's gone on to prepare a place for you, like he's gone on to prepare a room for you. He's building onto his house for you. Isn't that amazing? Like God's got a place for you. That's the hope of this faith that we have in Jesus that if, if I can live now, that, that when I die from this place, that, that I'm going to go on and live an eternity in heaven. The final lesson I believe that suffering, the suffering of Jesus is teaching us is, number four, be a help, not a hindrance. Whether we're suffering ourselves or we know someone who is suffering, we have a choice. We can, we can be a help or we can be a hindrance. Now, think about the, uh, the Old Testament story about a guy named Job. Like, if you ever feel bad about yourself, like, go read Job's story. It makes you feel just a little bit better, right? Like, there's always somebody who's got it a little bit worse than you. And Job was one of those guys, like, his life was, like, really bad, like things happened, like all of his property, he was a rich man and all of his property got burned down and his kids died and like he got sick himself and all of his, all his friends and his wife sitting around him, they weren't there encouraging him. 
Like, it's going to be okay, Job. Like, they were there discouraging. They were not a help. They were a hindrance to Job. And just as a side note, when you're going through suffering, like, be careful who you surround yourself with. Someone say amen. Like, and, and maybe you don't want to plaster your suffering on social media because social media is just not helpful, right? Like, those, like people on social media, just, they're just not going to help you in your, in your time of suffering. Like, they tend to pour a little bit of salt in the wound. Be a help, not a hindrance. When I look down at the story with Jesus on the cross and those that were surrounding him, you have his mom, Mary, his aunt, Mary. Have you ever heard of the band Mary, Mary? Like, take these shackles off my feet so I can dance, Mary, Mary. Like, it wasn't them, but that's just what I thought of when I was reading that scripture. But, like, there's Mary, Mary, and Mary. <laughs> my wife told me not to say that, but I did it anyways, and she's going to say, I told you not to say that. And you know who else was standing there at the foot of the cross? It was John. It was John. And we could be hard on John and say, John, man, where were you? Like, like where were you when Jesus was crying out in the garden, sweating drops of blood? John, man, where you were sleeping, man. Where were you? Hey, John, where were you when those soldiers came up and they arrested Jesus? And, and hey, at least Peter, like, yeah, we, we give Peter a hard time. He pulled, pulled out his sword and, like, trying to chop guys' heads off, right? But at least Peter tried to do something. John, where were you? What were you doing, John? John, where were you when they put Jesus on trial, like, and accused him of things that he didn't say or didn't do? Like, where were you, John? We could be really hard on John, but, but there in the final moments, there he was. Like he was present. And guys, there's power in presence. John was present along with the mother of Jesus. And I want you to write this, this down. There's comfort in community. John wasn't perfect and neither are we. Like there are times I wish I would have just showed up. We don't have all the answers, especially when it comes to suffering in this life. But guys, we can be present. You can't be present. You know the power of presence. Some of you know because you've been through suffering and you've had that friend that just showed up. They had nothing to say, but they were just, they were just there. I can look back on the funeral of my dad and I remember the faces of the people that showed up and the ones that I didn't think, like I didn't think he would be there, but they were there and how powerful it was just Listen, when suffering happens in life, just show up. Just show up. You may even know of, of somebody that's going through a tough time right now. Could you just, just show up? Like show up with a meal. Show up with a phone call. Show up with flowers. Show up with a lawnmower to like mow their lawn. Like this is how we do community, right? Jesus is teaching us something incredible about suffering. Like we, we're going to suffer in life, but let's not do life alone. And at Timber Creek Church, we don't do life alone. That's why we, we push community. We push groups. And we're halfway through our semester of groups right now. And if you're not involved and you're not connected with somebody, listen, I plead with you, don't do life alone. It's not how the body of Christ was meant to be. And I want to encourage you, find a group that you can get connected to. Find a dream team that you can be involved in. Don't suffer in silence. Surround yourself with community. Maybe you're experiencing a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, maybe like a bad life. <laughs> like maybe you're just saying it's just been one thing after the other and you need a fresh start today. Listen, it begins by honoring 
the one who endured his worst day. Listen to me this morning so that today could be your very best day. Like he endured, like it's an old saying, but I think it's true. Like when Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. He knew you were going to go through suffering in life. And sometimes God doesn't deliver us from suffering. Many times he delivers us through suffering. And through that suffering, we get to know him just a little bit better. And we understand that he, he understands it. He knows it. Like he's gone through that stuff and he feels our pain. Aren't you thankful today? Would you just bow your heads all over the place this morning? His wounds become our healing. We were once lost as sheep with no idea where we were going. And now we're named and kept for good by the shepherd of our souls. That's Jesus. I want to invite you today. Maybe you haven't began a relationship with Jesus. It begins by just saying, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe you came and you died on the cross for my sins believe you were buried in the tomb and you were resurrected from the dead three days later because you live I can also have life listen we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God we've all done it and the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life and you just say I want to accept that gift of salvation today it's free and it's for me just lift your hand all over the place this morning I want to pray for you I want to accept that gift I want to invite Jesus to be the center of my life yes ma'am who else Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Those of you online, those guys at Die Ball, at, at the Duncan unit, that's you today. I know it's, it's, a, it's a big step of faith. Put your hand up in the air so I can pray for you this morning. In Jesus' name, you can put your hands down. Those of you, you're going through a time of suffering, and you just need the presence of God. The Holy Spirit's name is the Comforter. He's the great helper. And I believe that, yes, we do have a home that's in heaven. And God's going to deliver us from sin and suffering. But right now, the Holy Spirit can come and comfort you and bring you help. You're in a time of suffering, and that's you today. Would you just put your hand up so I can pray for you? Going through a time of suffering. Going through a time of suffering. I need help. I need help. I just need to know that God is there with me, and he's not left me. I need help today. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you, God. That you're an ever-present help in times of trouble care for those who call out your name. Thank you for that today. If you're inviting Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life for a first time or for a fresh time today, you may just, you may just say a prayer like this, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I thank you for being my Savior. I'm a terrible Savior, but I invite you to come in. Take the throne of my heart. I want to serve you all the days of my life. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen.